1: Today is Thursday, September 29th, 2022. This is Shannon, and tonight I'm here with Natalia, Stacy, and Brooke. And we are once again talking about series. I think we've done this a couple of times before, but there are so many good series. It's like an episode that never gets old. So, we are going to dive into the usual housekeeping information, then Brooke will start us off followed by Stacy, me, and lastly, Natalia. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro Podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email, and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com.
2: So my first book tonight is The Puppet Show, Washington Poe, Book One, by M. W. Craven. So our main character's name is Washington Poe. And at the beginning of the book, Washington has been on suspension from the, I think it's called a national crime, like major, kind of like major crimes, but it's in the UK, in the Cambria um, area. And he's been on suspension for about a year. So something happened and it led to the death of somebody. And we learn more as the series goes on. But in this first book, this is where we meet him. And he has bought this property called the Croft. And he's renovating it. He's turning it into what he would like to do. Because he's decided that he's not going to go back. He's not interested. And so he's doing his thing. Um, and meanwhile, his former co-workers are dealing with a serial killer. And this serial killer is burning people. They're like carving up these bodies and then burning them. And the third body turns out to have Poe's name carved into the body. So obviously, um, this is not cool. So his co his boss calls him in and says, We need your help, and this is what's happening. So we need you to get back into this. Um, Poe's not very happy about it because he's just kind of settled into what he's doing and he's happy with what he's doing. But he goes back and he's teamed up with her name is Tilly. And Tilly, from what i can tell like she doesn't outright say she has autism but um she's very socially awkward um she is a computer analyst um civilian computer analyst and so the interactions between her and washington are so funny because she's very she's lived a very sheltered life like we get to meet Um, her mother at the start. And Poe actually has to ask um, her mom's permission to allow Tilly to come on a work trip with him. So she's very sheltered and she's very literal. So some of the things she'll say like are completely, completely embarrassing. So when Washington first meets Tilly, um, he walks into the office and there, it's kind of like, an office where there's a whole bunch of ta- like desks sitting around and all the co are there and a bunch of the co- of Tilly's co-workers are making comments about her and this really bothers Poe he does not put up with people bullying others so I loved 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 that part about him because all the way through the series you see him sticking up for Tilly At times. And even when Tilly says something completely embarrassing, like he doesn't make a big deal of it. He'll be just like, oh, Tilly, not right now. Like he really, really is teaching her kind of how to interact with people. So just the interactions between Poe and Tilly are just so awesome. So as they're investigating, we realize that there is a connection between Poe and the serial killer. But we don't really know at the start, and we, we learn more as we go along. Um, I've read, I think there's a new book that I haven't read in the series, but I've read a lot of the books in the series, and I really, really enjoy it. Like, the, the, the characters really, really develop as the series goes along. So this is The Puppet Show, Washington Poe, book one, and it's by M. W. Craven.
0: Adding this to my list. My first series this evening is one that I read earlier this year and loved so much. I started reading more of this author's writing. And uh, before this episode, I actually started rereading it again, just to make sure I remembered all of the various moving parts And I'm loving it so much. A second time that I'm going to plow through the four book series in just a couple days. I'm talking about Juniper Unraveling by Carrie Lake. That's the first book in the series, Juniper Unraveling, and it's also the series name. So this series is a dark, um, post-apocalyptic kind of dystopian series about a world that has been decimated by some sort of plague that has ravaged the population turning people into um, what they call ragers and ragers are people who get the infection and slowly descend into madness until they are, they are at their most basic. And all they can think about is eating and mating, mating and eating. And the world is this place where the majority of people are trying to eke out an existence in these small hives As they call them, trying to stay away from, you know, the, the the big groups of ragers, and this is made more challenging by these groups of soldiers that come in to the hive and to kill the women and children, and the women and girls, and take the boys away. So in this book, we have we have stories from two different perspectives: two young women. The first is Danny. And Danny's story is about how she um, disguised herself as a boy so that she could continue to care for her very young brother um, when her hive, her hive was invaded by um, these soldiers. And they were taken to a facility um, that was basically there for research. And very terrible, horrible, violent things are done to boys and men who are taken from the desert and other places. And they are used in all of the experiments by these scientists. It's a terrible place. And so we are following Danny as she is, you know, pretending to be a boy, trying to keep track of her brother, trying to stand under the radar, and helping this scientist slash doctor with some of his research in this horrible, horrible facility. And then we have Ren, who's living this very utopian sort of, existence behind the walls of a community that was formed prior to um, the, the world as we know it kind of ending. And it's all with solar panels and things like that. So people who live within these walls still have a lot of the amenities that were available prior to the world collapsing. And Ren rescues a young man from beyond the wall, who she kind of is beginning to realize came from the place that she always thought was a hospital. And she begins to learn is a research facility. And the two stories of Danny and Wren will converge at some point, And that's all I'm going to say about that. The series is very dark and gritty. It follows a group of survivors who their main goal is to get rid of this horrible research facility and to try to rescue some of the people that are trapped there. Um, because, you know, obviously being experimented upon is no good. Um, And then, you know, trying to find a community like the sort of utopian one that exists where people live in denial beyond this wall. And I know that I have given you a very sketchy description, but if I tell you too much more, it's, it's going to give things away. It's a four book series. It's, it's, one of the best post-apocalyptic series that I have read, it's, it's um, if you're someone who um, would like trigger warnings or content warnings, um, this book has on-page violence, on-page sexual assault, um, but mainly like lots and lots of on-page violence as people try to survive in a very harsh world that is not very conducive to survival. This is an amazing series. I love it. I love it just as much this time as I did um, the first time I read it. This again is Juniper Unraveling, which is the first book in the series and also the series name. And the author is Carrie Lake. I need to read this. It's really, really good. I think this is very much also an Italia book.
3: If you like. Ooh, like you Cara are helping Stone, so much with my book slump.
0: Oh, yeah! Ah, yes. I have like
3: the biggest book slump of my entire life.
1: All right. So my first series tonight is a science fiction series that I don't get to talk about nearly enough on this podcast. Um, I don't read a ton of sci-fi, but when I do, this is always like the thing that I I measure sci-fi against. So this is a sci-fi romance series. It's the class five series by Michelle Diener. It was originally intended to be just a trilogy Um, But she has since expanded it. So there are now five books, and at least one novella, um, possibly a couple more, but I'm not a big novella reader. So I can't, I can't say for sure. So the first book in the series is Dark Horse. And all of the books in the series have dark in the title. Um, And this is about Rose McKenzie. Rose was kidnapped from Earth a while before we meet her. And she has been held on this ship in a galaxy that we would have never heard of. And she doesn't really understand why she was taken. But she knows, based on just things that she's observed you know, during her captivity, that what her captors have done, you know, violates some kind of rule within this galaxy. So basically, you're not supposed to kidnap and enslave people. Imagine that. So she is trying to figure out how she can get away. But also, if she does get away, like, what is she going to do? Because she's not anywhere that she knows. It's not like she can just go back home. But Rose has a very powerful ally. And his name is Zazo. I guess I really shouldn't even say his And Zazo is an an AI who is part of a system known as the class five system. And these are very, very intelligent AIs that were created to basically run spaceships, like huge um, battleships. But the people who created all of these AI did not fully understand I think that the capacity of what they were creating and so very soon the AI was like became smarter than the people who created it and that became became dangerous they thought so they also are kind of trying to enslave these AI which worked for a while but is no longer working because now the AI and these women, because we learn pretty soon after meeting Rose that she is not the only woman who has been abducted. There are a group of them who have been kind of distributed throughout this galaxy. Now, we also meet Dav, and he is the captain of a ship that is coming to investigate what these captors have done. And he is trying to restore order, to understand, you know, who is responsible for this, and also to learn a bit about these people that have been abducted. And so when he meets Rose, he's not really sure that he can trust her. He doesn't know anything about Earth, really. Um, Humans are a pretty big mystery to him. Plus, he has a deep distrust for AI, what he calls thinking machines. And (laughs) It bothers him so, so much that Zazo and Rose have formed this sort of deep bond. And he doesn't really understand how it's possible to bond with a computer. But what you learn as the series goes on is that all of these AIs have a sort of emotional intelligence. And that is what has made them sort of dangerous to the people who created them. Um, The series is definitely best read in order. The each individual like romance between, so like Rose and Dav for example, is wrapped up very nicely by the end of the book. But you still, there are a lot of unanswered questions that will carry through the entire series arc. So I would highly recommend reading these in order. If you read them in audio, Christina Delane is the narrator and she does an amazing, amazing job. I love these so incredibly much. They are, they deal with some pretty like intense subjects, but they don't do it in a way that feels overly heavy. Um, It's just such a well-done series and one that I don't think, enough people know about. So this is the class five series and the first book is Dark Horse
0: and it's by Michelle Diener. And you've been telling me to read this forever yes, and I have. need to listen to you. I've never actually, um, now that you've talked about it in a bit more depth, I'm going to um, definitely be moving it up on the TBR because it sounds actually like something I would really like. So.
3: Well, now that we've talked about all kinds of uh things that that are fictitious. Let's <laughs> talk about this series that I cannot believe I've never talked about in this podcast. Oh. OMG what? And I don't think anybody has talked about it in this podcast. Which um I think I am going to steal the series that has been spoken about before but not just yet. So I guess we'll see when that happens. So this is a book by an author that I have not mentioned and I am so sorry because wow what a book that uh, really, really touched me in a way that I cannot even explain. And uh, this is Bright Side. Bright Side, book one by Kim Holden. Oh. And this book is about Kate Sedgwick whose life has been anything but typical. She's endured hardship and tragedy but throughout all of it she remains happy and optimistic which is the reason why her friend Gus called her Bright Side. Kate is strong-willed, funny, smart, uh, and just so kind. And uh, this basically starts off with Kate driving to a small town to start a new college. Uh, She's leaving from San Diego. And she ends up in Grant, Minnesota. where (laughs) The last thing she expects to happen is that she's going to fall in love with Keller Banks. But uh, they will feel it but they each have a reason to fight it. They each have a secret. And when secrets are revealed, some will heal you and some will end you. Um, and this is Bright Side by Kim Holden. It is book one in this series. And when I tell you that this book broke me in the best way and changed me, I, I there are books that change you and that make you into a different human being after you've read them. And this is one of them, really. I mean, the synopsis does not do it justice.
2: So we're going to get a little less serious and (laughs) we are going to go to fantasy slash cozy mystery. So I'm going to talk about great balls of fury. Oh yes. Federal Bureau of Magic, Book One by Annabelle Chase. So our main character's name is Eden Fury, and she's a Fury. And she's always wanted to go kind of move beyond her family. Her father and her brother are vengeance demons. Ooh. And her mom and her grandmother are both. Black witches and they're they're they don't have any shame about it. They they like regularly hex each other. Um, if somebody like says something to bug another, they'll hex them. Like so, there's times for the series where there's like times. For example, there's a time I think it's in the first book where um, Eden pisses off her mother, and then she all of a sudden like can't speak, <laughs> and she can't speak until she figures out a way to apologize to her mother. And when she apologizes, then sure her mother releases the hex. So like that's the kind of that relationship they have and it's pretty <laughs> funny. So she, much to her family's sadness, um, she went to work for the FBI. So she was doing well. She was working at the FBI. And then something went wrong. And one of her fury powers is that she's able to siphon temporarily powers from other people. Um, So she accidentally siphons vampire powers um, from somebody that her and her partner, her work partner, are capturing. And then she ends up biting her partner and like almost draining him dry. Like, whoops. So... The Federal Bureau, the FBI, they, they knew she was a fury. And so they told her, I'm sorry, but we need to reassign you. So they assign her to go and work for the Federal Bureau of Magic, which happens to be located in her hometown of Chipping Cheddar. Like, could you imagine, like, living in a place called Chipping Cheddar? I couldn't (laughs) even imagine. So, so she goes off to Chipping Cheddar, and she moves in with her mom temporarily. Um, She's living up in the attic. So you can only imagine the hilarity that's going to go on because she's going to, her mom also lives with her grandmother and her great aunt. So her mom, her, her grandmother's sister. And her grandmother's sister is a very, like, nice, gentle woman. Um, She also is a witch like her, um, like her mom and grandmother. Her hobby is growing lemon trees. Um, she absolutely loves lemons. So she makes lemon tea. She makes like everything lemon she loves. So that's kind of like her, her aunt. So as I said, she's gone back home. She's working. And so her first day, she meets her assistant. And his name is Nebel. And he's a wizard. So Neville is pretty funny. Like some of the banter that her and Neville have, like he's kind of trying to figure out what to call her. Like she's trying to tell him just call me, call me Eden, but she's he's making up these things like, oh Great Avenger and all these things. Like it's really funny what he comes up with. It's it's quite entertaining. This town is not like it's made up of humans as well as magical people living in like right in broad daylight, like they don't, they don't hide themselves, but at the same time, the humans don't know about them. So they're kind of living amongst the humans. So their first case, um, the chief of the town is killed. He's found in the water, which is very suspicious because the chief was always afraid of drowning. We don't really know why this is, but he's always been afraid of drowning. So going near the water is not normal for him. Um, Another case comes along where something else happens to another resident of the town, where again, it's not normal for them. So Neville and Eden kind of come along and realize that something's going on. There's something magical. And so when They're investigating, they're having to investigate alongside the new chief without the new chief knowing that they're kind of looking for something magic. And that, my friends, is where I'm going to leave you. But, like, this series is so much fun. The banter between the characters is hilarious. Like, I can't stop laughing. And honestly, like, if you're looking for something light, but not, like, not kind of, not Silly just just entertaining, then I would check out this series. This is Great Balls of Fury, Federal Bureau of Magic, Book One, and it's by Annabelle Chase.
1: Is this kind of similar to like the um haley Edwards
2: yeah, but um, but a little more the the banter I find with Annabelle Chase's characters it's like, it's lighter. Like it's a lot more, it's funnier. I discovered the author of the second
0: series I'm gonna talk about earlier this year. And um, I'm kind of mad that I did because, I mean, I'm not really mad, I'm really happy I did, but I've gone through pretty much her entire backlist and all of her books now because of this first series that I discovered by her. So tonight I'm gonna to talk about the Sons of the Survivalist series by Sharice Sinclair. And the first book in the series is Not a Hero. And this is, I would classify this as romantic suspense. I think romantic suspense is how I would definitely say this series goes. And it is about four boys who were in the foster care system. And were in um, a foster home with a very unscrupulous evil man who um, was taking advantage of children. Mm. And one day Gabe or Gabriel, um, was, um, walking and, and walked in on a, you know, going past a, a room and walked in on a scene that was intolerable and he felt was very wrong. And so he helped three other boys to beat this foster person unconscious. And they are rescued from this scenario by someone who was walking by and heard all of the, the yelling and the, and the altercation going on. And they are taken with this man who is a, a Vietnam war veteran who um, basically is living off the grid in Alaska. And he takes these four boys to Alaska with him and basically teaches them about survival and becoming basically like a unit together and also brothers and also family. And at the beginning of not a hero, Gabe is living in his cabin off the grid. He's dealing with some PTSD. Um, He is also now a veteran and uh, a Navy SEAL, I believe. Yes. And he is struggling a lot and doesn't really like to be around people and finds out that, um, the man that was basically the, um, a father figure to all four of these boys has passed away. And not only has he passed away, but he has basically left his four sons, this dying town in Alaska called Rescue. And he has left them all very specific instructions in his will about how to bring this town back to life. Well, Gabe doesn't wanna bring the town back to life. He wants to stay off the grid. He doesn't wanna be the chief of police in a town where he has to like talk to people and interact. Um, he loves his brothers and everything, but he doesn't want to do that. But he decides that because of what um, his father did for him, you know, when he was young, he can, he can kind of step in and, and help his brothers out. So they're getting this town kind of up and running, but then, you know, miles and miles and miles away in Chicago, we have a librarian. She is a, uh, like an academic librarian. And she has a lot of research um, for a lot of different people. And one of the things that she was assisting uh, an author with researching goes terribly, horribly wrong. And she wakes up one night to an assassin in her bedroom. And oh, oh. my God, like, how frightening is that? And so Audrey flees from Chicago after wounding one of the assassin and and barely getting away with her life. And after lots of traveling across the country, ends up in rescue Alaska. And Gabe and Audrey sort of begin this um, tentative sort of um, mutual attraction. But it's hard to, you know, kind of start a relationship with someone you know, if you're Gabe, when you know that the person you're with is lying to you in every single moment with every single action and not quite knowing why they are doing that. That's all I'm going to say about this first book. Um, Each book focuses on one of the brothers and this is one of the best found family series I have ever read. These four guys are all damaged in their own ways, but they come together as a family um, they all play music together. Like it's just ridiculously fabulous. And as the series progresses and we get to know more about the town, the town becomes more a part of each book, um, including I'm sure Shannon will be overjoyed to hear this. There is a cult that has to be dealt with um, uh, yes. cool. later in the series. Yes. you know, I enjoy reading about the cults. This is a, an amazing series. It does have to be read in order as each book builds upon the previous one. Um, and I love it so very much. And I think everyone should read it. I love Charisse Sinclair in general. Um, this is not, in case you look her up, she um, typically writes erotica. She's written um, Club Shadowland. She's written Mountain Masters and, um, oh God, Dark Dark Haven. Um, she has a fantastic erotica um paranormal romance series as well, but this is romantic suspense and does not have a lot of erotica elements in it. If you find that you have a discomfort with that. So, um, her writing is incredible. I love her books. I love her heroes. I love her heroines. I love how she like brings this really weird, like small Alaskan town into her stories. It's just, she's just one of my favorite discoveries of 2022. So this series is the sons of the survivalist and book one is not a hero again by Charisse Sinclair. Please go forth and read. So good. Ooh, i looking for this book
1: and really liked it.
0: Did you read all of the series, Shannon? Or no, did no you I said you read- I
1: know Mika. Oh. I said I know Mika read it and really liked it. Yeah. And
0: did Kristen too? Uh, yes, I think so. Yes, I thought so.
1: All right. So my next book, well, my next series, actually. Um, Natalia wanted to talk about, but I said no because I planned to talk about it. This is a series that I actually discovered while looking up something for Kristen because she was looking for readalikes alikes to um, Patricia Briggs' Mercy Thompson series. And she'd read all the Mercy Thompson and she was sad because there weren't any more. And so she was looking for something with that similar feel. And so I found this for her And this is the Jackie Leon series by K.N. Bannett. And I told her like, oh, you know, I've never heard of this author, but it gets a lot of really good reviews. And everybody says, you know, it's it's like Mercy Thompson. So Kristen read it first and then Mika read it and then I read it and then Brooke and Natalia and Georgina read it in like short order. Um, (laughs) And it just sort of like took the podcast by storm for a little while. There are eight books out currently. The ninth one, I think, is coming in the beginning of 2023. So, the first one is called Oath Sworn. And Jackie Leon is a werecat. Now, she's not a werecat like some of the other werecats we, we read about. When she shifts into her werecat form, she's more like, like a saber tooth. So, a huge, almost like, I don't know, kind of cross between like a cat and a monster. Like she's gigantic, like 500 pounds of cat. And werecats are solitary creatures for the most part. They have family units, but many of them don't really pay a lot of attention to like their, their bloodline and and family. So Jackie is living on the outskirts of this like small town in Texas. She manages a bar and she keeps to herself like as much as possible. But then this young girl comes running into her bar and tells her something that causes her to become oath which means that she is now responsible for this young girl's life. She is like tasked with protecting her. Carrie Emerson is the daughter of a local werewolf alpha, and his pack is undergoing a coup of some sort. People are trying to overthrow him as alpha, and this has put Carrie in danger. Jackie really, really does not want to get involved in all of the drama with the wolves, but in order to protect Carrie, she has to. She. Forms a very, very uneasy alliance at the beginning with Heath Emerson, who is Carrie's father. And, you know, he knows that Jackie's purpose is to protect his daughter. But werewolves and werecats have a long history of just not getting along, not trusting each other, not dealing well with each other. And as the series goes on, we learn more about kind of what's at the root of all of this. Um, I don't want to say too much more about kind of what happens in this first book. I think it's much, much better if you read it for yourself and discover the gloriousness that is Kay and Bannett. Um, I will say that this is such a fast paced action packed series like we talk a lot about especially in urban fantasy where books kind of have this like the first book is kind of slow and world building and sometimes you don't really get a good sense of like the, the overall pace of the series because the first book has so much like information to give you this is not the case with this series it hits the ground running and it does not stop um Throughout, you know, all the books that exist so far, she also has written a couple of other series that are set in this world. Um, the The world itself is known as the Tribunal Archive is the the title of the whole like universe. Um, but this is the Jackie Leon series. The first book is Oathsworn. Again, it's by K. N. Bannett and I highly, highly. Recommend it if you have not read it already.
3: Seconded, Stacey. All right. So my next book is by an author that I talk about a lot, actually. And I always mention this one series by her. So her name is Kyla Stone. Oh, yay. The series I always talk about is Edge of Collapse, right? But today I'm not going to talk about Edge of Collapse. Can you believe oh, it? It's a new new Nuclear
1: dawn. dawn.
3: No, I'm going to talk about Nuclear Dawn. Don't you know me so well? Yes. And the reason I'm going to talk about Nuclear Dawn is because I have I am from Miami, and after. Uh, What's her name? I think her name is Edna Buchanan. Wrote the Cold Case oh, yeah. Squad books, and actually, the Dexter books take place in Miami. They're pretty, yes, active. they do. But for the most part, books that take place here are just not. You can tell that the people writing about it don't live here. Uh, so there's so there's that but these books take place in Miami and even though they are a post-apocalyptic which you know what happened was that the pandemic happened and the twins convinced us all to get into (laughs) post-apocalyptic fiction it's true because you know the reality wasn't scary enough to read about how much worse it could be that's right (laughs) (laughs) and you know because until the end of the world is just so amazing and we just talked about it to death I really want to talk about point of impact by kyla stone which is nuclear dawn book one so can you imagine if all of a sudden a bunch of nuclear bombs just strike all the major cities in in the country chicago new york miami los angeles all at the same time uh well what would you do right well that's what happened here So this book is where our story starts. It's talking about Dakota Sloan, who is actually a foster kid, who's spent her life running from the past and she's pretty tough. And her only family is her little sister who is still in the foster care system. And she's, when the story starts, she's at a bar and she sees on the news that the bombs start striking many major cities and her first thought is to grab her sister and get the hell out of Miami to go somewhere remote, do something. Well, also in the bar is Logan Garcia, who is a man haunted by many secrets, and he kind of just wants to drink himself into oblivion forevermore until the shockwave hits Miami, which is completely uh, something that he wasn't expecting, and it shatters the world as he knows it. But before the deadly fallout happens, Dakota offers Logan a deal. She knows a place to hide because basically she guesses that Miami is going to have a shockwave of its own as well. Uh, So she knows that there's a place to hide for the uh, upcoming chaos that's going to ensue. Just, Just imagine what would happen to the United States if this was reality. And it's somewhere deep in the Everglades where there's a home that she knows of. And we don't know how she knows of this home. Um, but she wants him to help her rescue her sister and then she'll take him to a safe place to be but dakota's past has caught up to her someone is hunting her through the radioactive ruins of miami and he won't stop until he has her or they're both dead that guy is creepy as hell too. The whole, he so just the, creepy, the, whole the whole series was creepy as hell oh my god Ooh. but in like the best in the best way i mean if yeah, you like the best possible way fast-paced electrifying so, action strong complex characters um it's just so good and what what i love about it is that even though kyla stone wrote it it's so different from the mm-hmm. books. completely different completely different idea just everything about it different um even though in both series somebody's trying to get away from somebody, but it's just not not the same remotely. So this is point of impact, Nuclear Dawn number one by Kyla Stone and Brooke. If you haven't read Kyla Stone, you must because I oh, think you must oh, yes. Everything. yes everything everything by by Kyla Stone. I
2: have not yeah, I read know, it yet, like, but I will definitely
1: check it out. Oh, this is really I know a- that post apocalyptic stuff isn't always your thing, but like there are no zombies here, which for me sometimes is sad. But I think it's a good like intro for you.
2: So my last book is The Girls in the Snow, Nikki Hunt, book one by Stacey Green. So I actually learned about this series, I think earlier this year, or it might've been la- late last year, but like, I love it. Um, I, So I get really, really excited when new books come out in it. So Nikki Hunt is an FBI agent um, and her and her two of her co-workers, they, are, they go to, um, I think it's her hometown, actually, where the bodies of two 15-year-olds are found in the snow. And the reason that they go to this scene is because they've been trying to chase this serial killer that they've dubbed, I think they call him or the Frost Killer. I think that's what they call him. So they've been chasing him for many, many months. And so they think that this killing of these two young girls could be him. So they set off to go and investigate. And as they're investigating, she finds out that the stepfather of one of the girls is a, is a guy that from her past. Um, so John was very supportive back when Nikki was young. So 20 years prior, she was about 16 and she finds her parents dead. So the background with that is that she was approached by a boy her age and he was very, very forceful about wanting to do like her to do stuff with him. And she said no. And then she points a finger at him and he gets convicted for the murders of her parents so when she goes back 20 years later um because she obviously left and didn't want to come back she finds out that the innocence project has taken mark todd um his case um under their like under their their they're reinvestigating it because they think that she was wrong and that he might be innocent so as they're investigating the case of these two girls she begins to wonder if maybe there's a connection to the death of her parents. And there's reasons for this that I'm not going to give you. Um at the same time she's having to kind of start questioning herself because Mark's brother Rory starts kind of making her think that maybe maybe like maybe she pointed the finger at the wrong person. So this book is a lot about nikki investigating the case of these two girls while also kind of trying to figure out from her background did mark really do it and i really really love this like i love as i said i love the series um nikki is a very run-of-the-mill person like she's got a young child that she takes care of and she shares custody with her um with her ex-husband who is really, really supportive. And he is also works for the FBI, but in a different, like a different department. So he's able to be a little bit more free for um their child. So he does a lot of like when Nikki has to go off and travel, their their daughter stays with him. And they have this just great relationship and stuff like that. So this is The Girls in the Snow, Nikki Hunt, book one. And it's by Stacey Green.
3: I need to read this. I have. I feel like I'm just going to read this. Just for the co-parenting. Just for good co-parenting. I'm going to read this.
0: So. There are so many good series that I did not talk about. So many that I love. So many that I revere. So many that I just. So many authors that I think the world of. Who write amazing series. But. When Shannon said to me that the next episode was going to be series. There was one series I knew I had to talk about because no one ever has. And this author needs some love. I actually talked about her in, la- in the last episode we did, which was October Picks. So I'm talking about a series by Catherine Anne Kingsley, who is another author I discovered this year quite by mistake. And the series that I have to tell you about tonight is called Harrow Fair. And I know that Brooke has read this, and I'm so, so happy she did because I can talk about it with someone. <laughs> and my sister just finished it last week. So I'm just like stoked I can talk about it with people. And the first book in the Harrow Fair series by Catherine Ann Kingsley is called The Contortionist. And this book is about Cora Glass. And Cora is a young woman who's living this very humdrum life. She has a couple good friends, she works at a bank but she also lives with chronic pain all the time, every day, every moment. And she's always having to try to decide like what she's able to do that day. Like what does she have the energy to do? And so she's just living this very sort of stilted life, doing a job that she doesn't even like living a life that isn't what she wanted it to be, but she's getting by, she's surviving and she's managing the best that she can. Until one day, when she is driving to work and she sees that a circus called Harrow Fair has come to town, and she's like, "Ooh, that's you know that could be interesting." And so she and her friends decide that they're going to go to the circus for something to do. And that is when Cora Cora Glass's life changes forever, because Harrow Fair is not your average circus. It has some pretty significant magic about it. It can kind of entwine itself around your soul. And if the fair wants you, it will never let you go. And this is what Cora learns. She's so drawn to the fair. She's drawn to, you know, some of the people like it, just fascinated by the fair. She's fascinated by the person, the man who is the puppeteer. And she's just fascinated by the whole setup and also kind of repelled by it. And something about Harrow Fair just doesn't seem just quite right to Cora. And she, she tries to do research about it. And, you know, things continue to happen where Cora is going to learn that the life that she knew has actually ended. And now, through circumstances that she did not have any control over, she now belongs to Harrow Fair. And by the end of this book, she realizes that she is going to become one of the acts in the fair as the contortionist. I don't even know what to say, so I don't give away like this entire series. Um, it is one of the most, um, as a very professional word, it's one of the most wackadoodle things I've ever read in my life. Um, it has very dark romance Uh, It's more of a villain romance. It has um, the most gorgeous found family elements. It has a lot about, you know, participating, being in a circus, which I find fascinating. I know Shannon likes circus books. Um, There's magic, there's duplicity, there's deep love, there's walking away from or being dragged away from one life to find another life that even though it's different, it's magical, it's taking Cora from all she knows, it might be a life that is far richer and more vivid and has far more to offer than the life that she was living prior to Harrow Fair coming to town. And like I said, I don't know what else to say. Um, if you need any sort of content warnings, I don't even know Like where to get started. But um, these books are very dark. Um, but there is a, a thread of hope and optimism that runs throughout this entire series, even when things feel at their bleakest, because Cora is going to learn things about the fair. It's not all fun and games. It's not all beauty and light. There's a darkness to Harrow fair that Cora is going to have to learn how to navigate throughout the course of the series. This author is, like I said, she's new to me. I just discovered her um, in April of 2022 and um, I really enjoy her books. I have to read one series and then take a break because they are pretty dark. Um, and um, this book, there there were aspects of this. I, I ugly cried at one point. Like I loved the love story. I loved the found family. But Cora Glass has to go on quite quite the wild ride to get to the ending of the story. This is Harrow Fair by Catherine Ann Kingsley. And the first book in the series is The Contortionist.
2: I love that the puppeteer is, he's, destined, he's not ashamed of his villainous. Right. I love yeah. it. I, th-
0: I love that. I love that um, she doesn't, she, Catherine Anne Kingsley does not shy away from writing complex characters who sort of straddle a moral line. Or don't straddle it, as it were. Um, she does, you know. Her romances are with villains. They're not going to suddenly turn into these like. It's not like when the beast turns into the the vapid prince. Like it doesn't feel like that in her books. Um, you know, they are villains, but there's always a redemptive quality, and this this story arc definitely has a redemptive quality. Um, and there's just so much, so much to love about this series. So
1: my last series tonight was recommended to me earlier this year
0: by Brooke.
1: And this was actually the first series that I've ever read by this author. And it makes me want to go back and visit her backlist. And she does have quite an extensive backlist. So this is the Mercy Kilpatrick series by Kendra Elliott. And the first book is A Merciful Death. And Mercy Kilpatrick is an FBI agent as so many people are in books. Um, I think FBI agents are kind of like Dukes. Like there are a million Dukes <laughs> in historical romance yes! and there are a million FBI agents in like, mystery oh, my <laughs> so true my
0: whole life.
1: <laughs> so mercy Kilpatrick is one of these <laughs> ubiquitous FBI agents, but, Mercy has kind of an interesting past because she grew up in a prepper community in a small town in Oregon. And her father is like a, a hardcore prepper. He raised all of his children to believe that you have to be prepared for some great catastrophe that will overtake the world and topple civilization. And for a while, Mercy, you know, believed this. And even as an adult who is now estranged from her family, there's still a piece of her that can't quite let go of all of the knowledge that she learned growing up. So she functions, you know, pretty well in the real world. She has a job, she has relationships with people. But she also has the secret that she has her own kind of prepper store, um, you know, deep in like the, the forests of, of Oregon. Well, suddenly she finds herself returning to the town where she grew up because there are a series of murders involving preppers. And people are beginning to wonder if there's some kind of like domestic terrorism event on the horizon. and. Mercy is investigating this and it puts her squarely in the sights of like her family again and in the sights of course of the murderer. She also meets Truman who is the new chief of police in this town and he has come there kind of as a, a direct response to things that have been going on. You know he is the the relative of one of the murdered individuals and so this kind of is a a conflict for him but he also doesn't want to be off the case because he feels like this is kind of the last thing that he can do for his family member. The mysteries in this series are really intriguing. I love all of the information that the author kind of just weaves into the story about what it's like to be a prepper and like the kind of things that people stockpile and like the thought processes that go into all of this. I also really like the relationships between the characters. I like watching Mercy, like make peace with her past, even though her past is messy, even though her family is flawed in so many ways. Um, It's just it's really cool to see her come to terms with all of that and integrate it into the person that she is now. There is um, a relationship between Mercy and Truman that kind of grows over the course of the series. Um, Think like Kate Burkholder and John Tomasetti from the Kate Burkholder books. Although I do have to say that I like um, Truman's character a lot better than I like the Tomasetti character. Um, in the Linda Castillo series. But this is just, I think a very unique take on some of the like small town mysteries that we read a lot of. And so if you're looking for something that has that feel but is a little bit different, I highly, highly recommend this. This is A Merciful Death, Mercy Kilpatrick book one by Kendra Elliott.
3: So the first book I'm going to talk about, or the last book I'm going to talk about, is Heart of Malice, Alice Worth, book one by Lisa Edmonds. And this book is about Moses Murphy's granddaughter. Who's Mo- Moses Murphy, you say? Well, we don't yet know very when the series bad. starts, but we do know that he must be somebody terrible because the first time his granddaughter killed somebody on his orders, she was six years old. And for 20 years, said granddaughter was a prisoner of an organized crime syndicate, forced to use her magic to make Moses the most feared and powerful man of the East Coast. But to escape his cruelty, she faked her own death and started a new life as Alice Worth. And Alice Worth is actually now a private investigator who uh, specializes in cases of all being, involving the supernatural. And Alice kind of walks a, a line between atoning for the sins that she c- feels she committed under her grandfather's, I guess, tutelage, and keeping her true identity hidden. But then she's hired to investigate the disappearance of a mysterious object of power, and she has to enlist the help of malcolm who is a ghost running from a past as nightmarish as her own and i know that shannon doesn't like ghosts but i think it's safe to say that this is a ghost that she does approve of i do yes one of the very few if any ghosts that shannon approves of and it turns out that this object of power is taken by somebody who has a dangerous secret and an unknown agenda when yes. Alice's client is kidnapped, she must find her client and the object of power before a vengeful killer destroys the city and slaughters, slaughters thousands, starting with perhaps Alice. Now, this is an urban, if you've read urban fantasy, this is a typical urban fantasy story arc, um, which builds and builds and builds and builds until the coup de gras. But... The only difference between this and other urban fantasy books, I would not say that this starts slow. No, it really doesn't. At all. It really sucks you in from the first page. Um, There is a lot of world building and that kind of thing, but it's not not without action. And I have just enjoyed the series so much. It just kind of like took me back in time, but also because when urban fantasy was really famous, I really loved it. So it took me back to that place of of loving the genre, but also it stands on its own for its really cool uniqueness. Because even though it was reminiscent of a time that I enjoyed, it's very different in, in the way that things work in this world, I guess is the best way to say. I think Shannon would agree. So yeah. if you, like me, miss urban fantasy, really want to delve into a meaty, uh, fun, Um, not so light uh, but just um, really good mysteries uh, basically everything you love about urban fantasy this is the book for you so this is Heart of Malice Alice Worth book number one by Lisa Edmonds and I think all the books are out I think so I think there are eight books for our glorious pleasure and a couple of uh, little novellas, novellas yes. that I did read including a prequel
1: oh yes yes yes. yeah this series um, Mika is also a fan of this series um, it is just so excellent I hope that we see more from Lisa Edmonds because she is amazing so this concludes our exploration of series that we love as we've said, there are so many more that we could have talked about, but didn't. So I'm sure that somewhere down the line, we will be discussing series again, because why not? Thanks so much to Brooke, Stacy, and Natalia for joining me tonight and talking about series goodness. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for all of her editing. And of course we thank each and every one of you for joining us each week as we talk about great books, or in this case, series.